Power the Future presents the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. Each week, Rick and Larry take you through the latest news you need to know to take on the eco-left. We're proud to stand with our country's energy workers who get the job done every day. And to all those greenies out there, we say, you're fracking welcome. Now, here's Rick and Larry. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Good for you listening to us on this Friday. It's Friday when we're recording it, and we hope that you're listening to it on Friday or any other day of the week. You have stumbled onto the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. My stumbled entry, uh, notwithstanding, we're glad you're here with us. My name is Larry Behrens. I'm the Western States Director for Power of the Future here in New Mexico. Joining me always is Rick Whitbeck, who is keeping things together in Alaska. Uh, Happy June to you. Mr. Alaska. It's it's super, uh, you know, this is summer solstice weekend here in the Great Land, meaning in Anchorage we'll get about 21 and a half hours of uh, of daylight and up uh, a little further north there into their, you know, midnight sun, literally, uh, you know, 24 hour day sunlight this weekend. So, so happy summer solstice weekend to you, Larry. And uh, we have so many things going on in our state here. I know you guys do too. And as we, uh, as we talk about, energy and power of the future and how we're advocating for workers across the country in in a critical space for our nation's uh, economy, especially around the recovery. We just want to say welcome to the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. Absolutely. Well, let's kick it off with what is the the news of the week so far here in New Mexico. As I mentioned, uh, we're recording this on Friday, and I I mentioned that particularly important uh, this week because New Mexico's special legislative session is about 24 hours old as I'm speaking to you now, where legislators have somewhat gathered. Uh, They have also socially gathered, uh, distance gathered, rather, in parts all across New Mexico. It's kind of a unique session, the first of its kind, where some of them are voting via computer and aren't in the Roundhouse in Santa Fe. The public's not allowed to be in the Roundhouse in Santa Fe, our Capitol building. And they are grappling with a roughly $2 billion budget deficit in our state and just you know for perspective our whole entire budget it it used to be the one one they recently passed just a few months ago was around seven billion dollars so cutting that back two billion dollars is uh you know going to be a you know an interesting time up in santa fe so let's just get down into it for a little bit and i'll just be frank with what is going on with it if New Mexicans and if Americans across the board want to know what their legislative sessions will look like under the Green New Deal, take a look no further than Santa Fe right now. They are going to have to look at massive cuts. You're going to have massive budget deficits. In New Mexico, the energy industry is well over 30% of our entire state budget. But when the eco-left comes after it, they don't worry about the dollars that go to the classrooms or to the roads or to the police officers. They worry more about what is on their agenda. And so as legislators look to, you know, try to plug the holes that $2 billion can leave, uh, it is a little taste of what it would be like if we were under the Green New Deal here in New Mexico. And folks really don't want to talk about that, but that is the reality of the situation. We're getting our our free trial of the Green New Deal, if you will, here. And so what it looks like, uh, the discussions so far have been around using reserve money to continue to spend at this rate, and then probably tax increases are going to be on the table as well. Both very unpleasant things when you're looking at over 100,000 new Mexicans unemployed. And I know uh, budget deficits are 
something that uh, Alaska has dealt with and something that we all continue to deal with as the energy industry is looking to get back on its feet in uh, light of a worldwide pandemic. But it is something that I think our friends on the eco left would be happy to see constantly energy workers looking for work in the energy industry under attack. We all are well aware that AOC, uh, when the price of oil actually went negative, AOC, and it was written about on powerthefuture.com, decided to celebrate the fact that people are losing their jobs. And you know, the priorities of the eco-left are always, always out of sync with what you know Americans want, which is good jobs, to provide for their families in a good way of life. And so I know you're seeing that uh, a little bit too this week in Alaska, Rick, where the eco-left is uh, standing in the way of a little prosperity. Yeah, you know, before we get into that, because I want to I want to finish with that, and we'll talk about the Pebble Mine. This week on the Power of the Future Energy Hour, I had Melody Wilterdink, who's the Associate Director for the Alaska Policy Forum. And the forum is... Um, uh, an organization here focused on growing prosperity in Alaska by maximizing liberty and freedom. And uh, Melody was on our show to talk about a, a poll that they commissioned um, through Dittman Research up here, a local polling firm, where they, they asked about COVID and the coronavirus. They asked about the Alaskan economy and taxes. And some of the absolute, and, and I wrote about it on Power of the Future's blog, so you can find it at powerofthefuture.com. Um, including a, a listing of all the results to the, you know, to the poll itself. But 42% of Alaskans who responded to the survey faced financial or are facing financial hardship because of the coronavirus. 20% of, or 28% of those people are either managing or owning their own business. And 44% of those people say that COVID has impacted the long-term viability of their business. Think about that as this pandemic has come in and gutted the energy community of Alaskan business owners, basically 13% of Alaska's business owners say, um, I'm sorry, 44% of the 28%, so effectively 13% of Alaska's business is in long-term viability concern because of COVID. Um, Alaskans are ready to start moving around. They're happy, happy to, to um, remove some of the mandates to stay at homes. But nearly one quarter of the respondents have recently considered moving out of Alaska. Think about that, Larry. If you had out migration from your state due to energy issues, due to um, higher taxes, um, you know, your business shutting down, and you were to lose, I don't know, a quarter of your state, what would that look like for the remaining 75%? It would, it would help with social distancing but it certainly wouldn't help with your economy, right? It, it definitely um, wouldn't. And when you consider those would be business owners, right? Those are your entrepreneurs, your money makers. And, it, you know, just to be a, a, a dim-witted lower 48 guy here, I would assume someone considering moving out of state in Alaska is a much bigger commitment than someone moving out of state in the lower 48. Yeah, we can't just get up and, you know, drive across the state line, right? I mean, it's, it's either a 3,000-mile road trip or putting something on a barge and hoping that, that everything... Uh, you know, comes out. And then the, the other part about this was um, over a third of the respondents believe that cuts, should, uh, cuts to services should be the way that we try to balance our billion and a half dollar issue uh, with our budget going into the next year. Another third think the primary solution should be generating revenue. Um, and over half the respondents support introducing a state sales tax, but only uh, about a quarter say that, a, that an income tax should be uh, implemented. Very interesting. Alaskans hate taxes. And, and right now we don't pay any. 
except for you know property taxes. Um, the oil and gas industry has has generated up to ninety percent of our state's budget over over historic you know over over the last twenty years, and now our permanent fund, which has about sixty five billion in it, the um, earnings off of that are about eighty percent of our state's economy right now. So again, that what you know what's what's gotten to uh, gotten us to be able to have permanent fund dividends is now funding our state government instead. Alaskans aren't happy with that, but they still don't want to see taxes. So interesting um, information there. Melody and I went through that. You can catch that on the Power of the Future uh, SoundCloud page. Um, and also, you know, you can reach out to me at rick at powerofthefuture.com or follow us on, on Twitter. You're at, um, what, PTF New Mexico, and I'm at uh, PTF Alaska. We're on Facebook. You know, you're Larry at powerofthefuture.com. I'm rick at powerofthefuture.com. In other words, if you're listening to the Your Frack and Welcome podcast and you want to get a hold of us, it's pretty easy to do so. Yeah, we always love to hear from from folks, and I'm I'm hearing from some when they you know something pops up and they say, hey, did you know about this? And we always always appreciate that, uh, folks, cluing us into what's going on. Because I mean, uh, while not as geographically large as your state, New Mexico can be geographically large sometimes. And finding out what's going on in lots of corners of our states, it's always great to hear from people who are living it um, every single day. And so I know Rick, we want to to talk a little bit too about uh, you know uh, we could talk. Tell you what, we'll let you choose. You want to talk uh, Pebble Beach, which is what I call it, but I know that's not the name for it. Or we could talk some windmill waste that is uh, piling up here in the Southwest. Why don't we talk windmill waste? Because I think that's a fascinating story that you wrote about this week. Yeah, well, I was. Uh, it was. I, I wish I could say it was. Uh, you know, I uh, the result of brilliant research, and I, I was able to hunt it down. No, it is something that is just laying off Interstate 40, um, right inside Texas, right at the Texas-New Mexico border. You will see waste piling up from the windmills that really haven't been there that long, to be honest with you. And so, for those who don't know, West Texas, Eastern New Mexico, is turning into a hub for wind energy and those windmills are going up all over uh, the area and I'm sure environmentalists love seeing that pop up but what they are really starting to disregard is the fact that the waste from those because those windmills have a shelf life of about 20 years there's really no place to put those blades and when you see them from miles away they don't look that big but each one of those blades can be about 200 feet long and so each windmill has three of them and so you start to see how much those can pile up very quickly when they uh they need to be taken down because their lifespan is over and so if you want to take a look at what it looks like here in the southwest where you know they you may think we have a lot of land but when you consider all the windmill waste that is going to have to be buried and and this one wasn't even buried it was just sitting out there uh near the wind farm I assume not generating any sort of energy, just sitting there on the ground. And so I am really enthused about um, the responses from the eco left that we've received about them, where they say their waste is nothing compared to the waste of traditional right. energy. I mean, keep in mind that, you know, the newest wind farm in New Mexico is going to be just as large as our largest state park. And they want to talk about the space of what is going to be done in terms of waste. But it gets down to the philosophical point of it. They're not in it for the environment. If they were, they would be upset with waste from any source, not just from their friends, but from any source. And when they want to not talk about that waste and ignore that waste, well, then by golly, it's not really about the environment then, is it? Nope, not at all. And, you know, what's, what's further <clears throat> conflicting to me, or not conflicting, but 
how about this? The hypocrisy is thick with the eco left, right? Because as you talk about the waste from the windmill parts, let's go back to green energy as a whole. If green energy is going to be the savior, the Green New Deal is going to be the, you know, the movement for um, a Biden presidency and, and the, you know, the follow up to that. Uh, if we're going to do that, then we're going to need to have more copper, more lithium, more storage. And the largest copper mine in North America that's yet untapped is up here in Alaska. It's the Pebble Mine. And we spend a lot of time talking about that because Daniel and I have both been out to the proposed mine site. We've talked to the villagers out there. Um, but this week, Pebble, the Pebble Limited Partnership, announced a performance dividend, an opt-in program where at least $3 million a year would be paid out directly from the mine to individuals. They don't have to support the mine. They don't give up the rights to sue the mine should something catastrophic go on down the road, even though the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers says the science is safe and that Pebble can live in harmony with fish. There's a lot of people that don't believe that. And the eco-left and the groups like Save Bristol Bay and all those guys went apoplectic this week when Pebble actually said that they were going to invest, just like they said they were going to, not only with shareholder jobs and regional jobs, but with direct cash payments, almost like an Alaska permanent fund situation from Pebble. So Pebble asked the regional uh, native corporation to help administer it, and they were going to pay them for that. And the group said, heck no. And then, so again, you register for it, you get money. There's no catch. It's money in a region that has the lowest or the highest amount of unemployment of any census region in the country. Wow. Not in the wow. state, Larry, wow. in the country. And yet the local native regional corporation, which is supposed to be there to advocate, protect shareholders, advocate for um, – for you know, uh, for shareholder rights, says we don't want your money, we don't want your jobs, we just want you to go away. And the the eco extremists that have been fighting Pebble for 17 years now, almost 18 years, um, not only say, you know, you shouldn't be signing up for this, but they actually said it was blood money, and uh, that it would ruin the way of life. So, kudos to Pebble for investing in the in the uh, region. Kudos to. Um, the shareholders and the, and the people in Bristol Bay who do sign up for it, it's not blood money. It's it's invested money in the region. So, again, kudos to Pebble for that. But you'd never know it by the reaction from the eco-extremists. And it's absolutely disgusting to see them continue to fight things that will bring green energy back to the, you know, to a to a more viable uh, future. And it, it goes to, to what we've talked about in, in, a, in a recurring theme that we see. Uh, throughout uh, not just our states but the entire country, these eco-left groups are well-funded. Their uh, hypocritical way of life is, you know, just really comes from places like San Francisco and New York City, and they've never really set foot in places like the Pebble Mine area or the parts of Alaska that are really hurting, the parts of New Mexico that are really hurting. So when economic opportunity comes along for these families, they are quick to step in the way because their special interest comes first. And it's a theme that I think we're going to continue to see as uh, we go on for the weeks ahead. I, I, I think, you know, next week uh, maybe we'll have a podcast and that theme will probably still be there. Yeah, I would I would agree. So for uh, for Larry Barons, I'm Rick Quitbeck, guys. 
we're out of time this week. I, I know both of us appreciate you listening in. We enjoy doing this and, and bringing you kind of a, a glimpse into the uh, the minds and the actions of, of Power of the Future. Uh, we'll keep on doing it. You keep listening. And until next week, uh, we hope you have a great week. And to all of our doubters and our haters out there, you know, if it wasn't for the energy industry and the hardworking men and women, we wouldn't have jobs and we wouldn't be able to say to you, you're fracking welcome. That's it for this episode of Your Fracking Welcome, brought to you by Power the Future. Check us out online at powerthefuture.com or on Twitter at PTF New Mexico and PTF Alaska. In the meantime, make sure you tell your favorite radical environmentalist, You're Fracking Welcome.